This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome in to another episode of WFUV's five on three podcast alongside a new line mate, Tyler Mooney. I'm Chris Hennessy. We got um, a lot to get to once again today. Tyler, welcome. And um, thank you. Let's get started with uh, Tyler um, is just another Ranger fan that we're welcoming into the into the fold. I, I don't have control over who these people root for clearly. Um, but let's start with the Rangers because uh, they've got some interesting stuff going on. They, they do. Um, they're now four points out of a playoff spot um, after rattling off a couple wins in a row here, including Monday night against Buffalo and the two teams above them are reeling. Uh, you look at both Boston and Philadelphia, even though Boston has three games in hand over the Rangers and are currently on a COVID pause both of those teams are are falling fast um, down the standings. Boston had that great start. Philly really hasn't gotten off the ground this year. So I think we're looking at the Rangers with Shesterkin coming back and now Panarin fully being back with a couple assists last night, getting him to 20 on the season. The Rangers maybe could make a little bit of a push here um, to get into that fourth spot that, that Boston and Philadelphia really have left the door open for them. Yeah, well, the Rangers are finally above 500. The first time all season, they're 14 and 13. And this last week has really been a great week for them. I mean, it started off with that absolute beatdown of the Flyers, 9-0 on last Wednesday night. And, I mean, it's kind of gone from there. They played the Caps really well. They dropped one on tough third period. I think Ovechkin had two goals. Mm-hmm. And then Zibanejad came back the next game, big winning goal with a couple minutes left. And then they, they did what they should have done last night. They beat the Sabres. I mean, when you play the Sabres, if you have playoff aspirations, you got to win. Game might have been a little closer than I think some would have liked, but at the end of the day, they got the win. Panarin's been Panarin. Kaka with two goals last night. Hopefully he gets going. I know it's been a bit of a rough go for him, but yeah, I mean, if they can stay in this kind of two to four point range, they have an eight game stretch coming up in April. I know we talked a lot about how the Islanders had that stretch where they played the Devils and Sabres a lot and that's really catapulted them to where they are in the standings now the Rangers have an eight game stretch where they play the Devils four times Philly twice and Buffalo twice so if they can stay in the hunt the next couple of weeks and then go six and two seven one in that race I think yeah it should be a crazy ending of the season for them yeah that's right at the end of the season where that really could push them up um the standings and I think we I forgot we hadn't done a podcast since t- time is you know uh, fixture of life it doesn't exist anymore i forgot we hadn't done a podcast since the nine nothing win <clears throat> or else i would have led with that obviously six points in a period for mika's advantage i only the second player in nhl history to do that brian trotje the other and nine nothing completely insane and i think it's it's just it's i think it's why we love hockey it's just you know philly wins five four no t we come on here say the rangers are fall, free falling and who knows if they're ever going to win again. And the Rangers win 9 nothing the next day. And then the day after – or two days after that, Philly – or the, no, the next day it was. Philly absolutely manhandles the Islanders. They only won 4-3 to three because they fell apart a little bit in the third period. But those first two were amazing for Philadelphia. Um, and, and now the Rangers have them twice again this week. I think that that's – I mean, it, it's really cliche and kind of lazy of me to say they're the most important games of the season, but it is because you're playing a team that's right in front of you in the standings, who is your biggest rival, who people picked for to win this division 
to win the Stanley Cup. I know Mike Messina picked them to win the Stanley Cup this year, who had high hopes coming into the season, and now you got them twice on the road. Um, getting three points out of that would be huge for for the Rangers, but we'll see um, how that goes. They're still sixth in the division. They do have a six-game cushion, a six-point cushion over New Jersey for seventh. Um, and as I said, they are just four points out of fourth place. Boston, who is on a COVID pause, five guys on the COVID list for Boston. Tonight's game against the Islanders for the Bruins is postponed, but um, they are playing on Thursday. So some yeah, good yeah. stuff from the Rangers overall. Yeah. And I think I think you look at Capo Caco scoring two goals and Mika Zibanejad with the hat trick. Mika Zibanejad, he was a, the third star of the week in the NHL, I believe. And that's kind of what we were missing from the Rangers for the first two months of this season was the scoring from the guys not named Panarin. Uh, and if they're able to get that for the rest of the season, there's no reason they're not the fourth team in this conference. I think the only thing that could potentially hold the Rangers back is actually they, they lost a lot of games to Pittsburgh at the beginning of the season. I think they're one and five, one and four against the Penguins. And for the Rangers to make the playoffs, you're going to need, you're going to need one of Boston or Pittsburgh to fall out because I think it's safe to say that Washington and the Islanders barring an epic collapse are going to be in the top four in the division. Pittsburgh has 11 of 24 games remaining against the devils or the Sabres. That's almost half their games. I mean, that's, they should go at least nine and two, eight and three in those games. And I believe the Bruins have a decent amount of games left too. So I think we're going to need to see a kind of run that the Rangers went on last year, that last month and a half before the COVID pause where they just, they practically didn't lose in the last month of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you bring up an interesting thing about Pittsburgh's schedule um, where they didn't play Buffalo until about two weeks ago. And now they're two and zero against Buffalo and the way Buffalo season has been going, they are also getting Buffalo without Jack, without Jack Eichel. Now Buffalo's only won how many games this year, like less than 10, but now they're getting without their best player. And that could, that could catapult them right over the Islanders and the Capitals. who are going to be beating the crap out of each other over the next, who know? Oh, I say that the Islanders haven't beaten the Capitals all year, but theoretically beating each other up all season long. So it's going to be really interesting how this schedule kind of falls. And I think that is true for a lot of divisions, you know, who's going to play Ottawa, Anaheim, Detroit, and Buffalo in the later half of the season. How is that going to impact the one through four seeding? in the playoffs, uh, home ice, if you want to call it that, there's no fan or very few fans in most of these places. So how much of an impact that will have, we don't know, but, um, good stuff from the Rangers, uh, as they kind of turn it around this week as they head into a big series in Philly and then a home and home with Washington to end off the month. Let's, um, let's hit those Islanders because it's, um, it's been an interesting week to say the least. On Long Island. Um, last Tuesday, we talked about how, okay, you did it. You won nine straight games. Now let's see it against these teams. And they played two of their worst games of the season, to be perfectly honest with you, um, on Tuesday against Washington and Thursday against Philadelphia. Uh, Washington, they lose three to one in um, a game that never really felt like they were going to tie it when it was two to one. And then certainly when it was three to one, it felt very over. And then um, they lose to Philly four to three on Thursday in the worst game they played all season long, even though they scored three goals. The second period was pathetic. It was the first game back with fans and they were getting booed off the ice up the second period. Um, that's kind of hard to do. 
And um, they came back, scored three goals, tied the game, and then lost in regulation, which hurt. But then they take four straight points against Philadelphia. So they end up getting four out of seven points from Philly as they head into a two-day break going to Boston. One game against Boston, two against Pittsburgh to end the month. To me, it was ended up being a solid weekend, really only because of the Bovillier going overtime last night, a game they had no, no, no business winning Sorokin with the best game of his career. I'm concerned, but good teams find a way to win games when they're when they're off on on an off night, and that's what they did last night. Exactly. And I think you could maybe speak on this a little more than me, but that 6-1 win they had over the Flyers this past weekend, that may have been maybe their biggest win of the season. I mean, you mentioned how, yeah, coming off that big stretch against the Devils and Sabres, not the greatest of competition, I think we all know. And then to drop the first two against the Flyers and Caps, I'm sure there was a lot of Islanders fans who were thinking the same way you were thinking last week. Oh, God, is this going to be another big run where we drop five of six, six of seven? But for them to come out and, you know, really put their mark on that game and to beat down on a Philly team who's given up a lot of goals right now. I think that's a big win for them. And yeah, you said it, good teams find a way to win on nights when they're not the best team on the ice. So hopefully they can keep this winning stretch going and uh, make a good run for the playoffs. Yeah. They were not the best team on the ice last night. It was, um, it was one of those games that you like watch between like the hole and your middle finger and ring finger. Cause it was like, how are they still in this game? How is this game still tied? And then it became, how are they not scoring? They keep hitting the post. And then Wallstrom finds a loose puck in the crease. But I want, I want to just wax poetic about Ollie Wally for a second. This is, you know, a, a guy who, yeah, he was in Bridgeport for, for a cup of coffee. He was at Boston college for like maybe two and a half cups of coffee. And now he's in the NHL at 20 years old, about to turn 21. This He's going to turn 21 this year. Um, dude's a stud. He's got eight goals. He hasn't even played all season long. He's only two shy of the rookie rookie mark of 10 by Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota. Um, he's like a hat trick away from, from being the favorite for the Calder. Like Kaprizov is going to be the favorite, but like say Thursday night, Wallstrom just goes out there against Boston and rings a hat trick past two or Yaroslav Halak. Like he's going to, in my eyes, he's going to be the favorite. Maybe he isn't, but uh, he is, he's been outstanding for this team. He's exactly the guy they needed. He's exactly the kind of guy that I've been screaming for for years for them to go get at the trade deadline. I hope that doesn't, you know, make them not go get somebody at the trade deadline. But this is this is the guy that they brought Jordan Everly here to be, that they've hoped Taylor Hall would be every, every, every other year when they're trying to trade for him, that they've thought Ryan Strom would be. This is finally the guy, and this dude can – this dude finds twine more than more, more than most rookies um, can. I think this is a perfect example too. You got to give these guys time. Everyone expects these high draft picks to come in, be a McDavid, be a Matthews. And sometimes, you know, they just have to get their bearings on them a little bit. He spent, you mentioned a cup of coffee in Bridgeport last year. And, you know, now you're seeing, now he's getting used to the NHL game. Now he's now this, it's not as fast as it was. And yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an elite goal scorer and it's going to be, Certainly very frustrating watching him fill the Rangers net up in the next, for the next decade. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously hope he's here for the next decade and, and to have equals at, at this part of the season, maybe doesn't sound like the greatest, but look, this is a guy who, when you think of Islanders draft picks over the last, how many years, not a lot of them have hit like this 
has so far, 15 points in 26 games. Barzell is phenomenal. Beauvillier is great. Devontae is great before they had to trade him. But they're they're equally just like the guy – Like then there's Michael Dalcol and Josh Hosang in the same first round. And it's just like all the free agents, all the trades, all the draft picks that were – this is going to be the guy who fills the back of the net. Um, they actually finally got it um, in Oliver Wallstrom. He is um, – in his obviously in his rookie year with 15 points in 26 games, he only had eight goals in 36 games in Boston College. And he has eight goals in 26 games uh, with the Islanders. He had 10 goals in 45 games with Bridgeport. So who knows? Who know? I don't. I don't understand um, how that exactly works. But he's um, playing very well, and he's exactly what the Islanders needed. And he probably isn't the best rookie on the team because Ilya Sorokin has eight straight wins in net and, and played the best game of his career last night in, um, in net. And he's the guy that we were hoping for as well as he now blossoms into this, this solidified starter and has the numbers of a Vesna He's not going to be a Vesna candidate because he only plays every other night, but eight straight wins. Doesn't, doesn't just have, that's not a fluke. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll switch over to New Jersey, even though, as we've spoken about before, there's really not too much to talk about with the New Jersey Devils because they had a decent week this week. They had a decent week. They did. Yeah. They beat Buffalo. They broke the 11 game at home losing streak. We talked about it last week. It was uh, just a phenomenal combination of, of just terrible hockey when it was Buffalo with 11 straight losses, New Jersey with 11 straight losses at home, and they won. Um, then they beat Pittsburgh twice in three games they actually took uh that'd be four points out of seven from pittsburgh now they play philly washington boston um i just i don't know I, the devils they're not going to make the playoffs that that losing streak was a little bit too much to knock them back a little bit too much to be in that conversation but they are still getting some good seasons from guys that you want to see good seasons from uh including jack hughes and mackenzie blackwood pavel zaka those types of guys, Ty Smith has been really good for them as a rookie on the on the blue line, and just a rebuilding season. And um, I don't know, there's really not much else to say. They're going to win some games against some good teams, and they're going to lose some games really badly. Yeah, basically, you said it. Just getting these young guys playing, and it's a good season to have a rebuilding season. Honestly, every single night in this Eastern Division, you're playing a team besides Buffalo that. They've got some stars. They have playoff aspirations. So, I mean, it's teaching these kids how to win and lose. And yeah. yeah, Blackwood's been good. Wedgwood, their other goalie, he's he had a decent game this past week. So yeah, I mean, good week for the Devils, and hopefully they can keep these good play from those important guys. Because if the Devils are going to be good in the future, it's going to be Jack Hughes, it's going to be Mackenzie Blackwood, it's going to be Ty Smith. Absolutely, um, that that is certainly true. I think the one guy now that's being rumored to be traded, obviously last year they sold big time. They traded Andy Green to the Islanders, Blake Coleman to the Lightning in Taylor Hall to the Coyotes. Now it's really just one guy that there's rumoring to be traded, and that's Kyle Palmieri. Um, I'm trying to pull up his stats. He's, like, not on my stats thing here. But we obviously know who he is. He's been here. Oh, there he is. Five goals, nine, nine assists, 14 points in 28 games. Not lighting the world on fire, but also not on a good team. Um, 14 points, the fourth most on the team. We know what he is. He's been here for a long time. Um and I think that he'd be a good fit in a lot of teams, including the Islanders, including 
I don't know that the Devils will necessarily trade with the Rangers, but including the Rangers as well. Uh, he's a veteran who, who really, really has come into his own. He's, he's from here, even though he wasn't drafted by the Devils, he's been here for a long time now. And um, he's had a really good career. He had the 30 goal season, his first year here in 2015, 2016. I, I do think that he'll be traded because when you have an expiring contract and a guy who can get you a first round pick and, and you're a rebuilding team, you do that. Maybe he resigns to the Devils. Who knows? But I think that this is a guy who's going to get traded to, to a contender, and that might be the Islanders again. Maybe the Devils and the Islanders will keep up their uh, relationship from last year. Yeah, I mean, he's a good top six guy. He can fill in on pretty much any team. Any team come playoff time, you always want scoring, and he can provide that. Uh, yeah, the Islanders, definitely a fit for them. Maybe Toronto seeing some things, although if Toronto wants to jump the gun on him, they'd have to do it pretty quickly with this quarantine that they'd have to go through. And yeah, I mean, you know what you're getting out of Kyle Palmieri, which is something that you always want when you're acquiring a guy at the deadline. Absolutely. And you mentioned that quarantine. That's kind of why we're talking about this now, because you have, if you're a Canadian team and there's a couple of Canadian teams who can make a trade, you know, Montreal might make a trade, Calgary might make a trade. Winnipeg. And you want to get a guy from, from an American team, um, like Pierre-Luc Dubois went from Columbus to Winnipeg, you have to sit out two weeks and, we are now three weeks away from the deadline. Um, so that, that's going to start coming into focus here for Toronto, for Calgary, for Edmonton, uh, and these other teams. Kyle Palmieri, obviously this is his, this is his walk year, his UFA year. His cap is $4.65 million. To me, he, he's an option for the teams who want Taylor Hall but can't afford him, which until the Anders Lee injury really did include the Islanders. Um, although before the Andrews Legion injury, they couldn't afford Kyle Palmieri either. They have literally no money. But those teams who, who aren't willing to take on an $8 million hit over this for the rest of this season, who want to take on something a little bit smaller and still get production on the forward side, he, he's that option. And he's also probably not going to cost as much as, as Ty- Taylor Hall in terms of what he is going to – what the Devils are going to ask for him. So – I think there's some pretty good options out there for Kyle Palmer. And maybe after all this, he won't get traded. But I think with Jack Eichel hitting the IR, you've now taken the biggest fish off the market. And some of these little guys are going to start to go pretty soon here. Yeah, I think especially when you're talking Taylor Hall, he's got an 8 million cap hit. I know it's only a one-year deal, but I think that theme of, you know, big money being moved around, we're just not going to see it at this deadline with the flat cap and the uncertainty of where that's going to go. Um we're not going to get any Pavel Datsuk contract type. People aren't going to want to take on money. And, yeah, to just t- touch on the quarantine thing one more time, the trade deadline's April 12th and the playoffs start May 11th. So if a Canadian team were to make a deal on trade deadline day, they wouldn't even have that guy available until just two weeks before the playoffs, which, I mean, that could be a handful of games. It could be five games, which is an extremely small sample. So I think, yeah, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, teams like that who are going to want to add on before the deadline in Canada, I think those deals are going to come in maybe in the next week. Yeah, they're going to have to or, or they're not going to be able to get these guys into the lineup with enough time and whatever else. But we'll, have, we'll obviously keep an eye on it and let you know. Um, and before we get into more trade deadline stuff, I did want to mention that Ralph Kruger was fired by Buffalo. This week, I, I, that happened after our podcast as well. There's not too much commentary on this one because feels like it's happened. Feels like it's been three weeks since it's happened, even though he's still been, on, been the coach. I know. Um, it, it was pretty inevitable. 
there's not really much else to say besides the Sabres stink, and it will probably be a while before Ralph Kruger gets another job. Okay. Um, Some other targets trade deadline-wise. We're looking at Buffalo, and we're looking at Nashville. as two teams who are underperforming this year and have players that other teams are going to want. I want to start with Nashville because I think if you look at the standings, this is not a team – that I'm totally in love with selling Chicago to me, Chicago and Columbus are right above them. It tied for that last spot. And they're just a few points behind. They are only four points behind them. I'm not in love with Chicago or Columbus and Columbus might trade Nick Felino. So to me, I don't know. I, I I'm not so sure if I see them trading Mateus Ackholm and Philip Forsberg and just going full rebuild with such little time left in Pecorine's career. And they do have UC Soros, who, who they like a lot. Um, I don't know if I see them trading, especially Forsberg, who's under control for a while, too. And I think, isn't Ekholm their captain, too? I don't know. I think that this one's a little bit overblown, personally. I think that they're not going to trade those guys. And that's going to be two huge fish off the market, especially for Toronto, who has expressed interest in Mateus Ekholm. Um he, he has one of the better uh, – he's not their captain, by the way. I, I misspoke. He has one of the better contracts in the league, though. Two years until he's 32 years old. Um, it's, it's not a bad deal at all. It's a tra- very tradable contract that would get you be- something back. But I still think that they're going to go for it. I do. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Philip Forsberg, he's only 26 years old, too. I mean, he's just in his prime right now. So I don't. I agree with you. I don't think that they should trade someone like him. But Ekholm, very tradable contract. I know Boston has been lurking. Boston maybe nearing the end of their window, kind of giving one last run. He'd be a good ad for that defense, who I think they're missing Krug and Chara a little more than they thought they would. And I've seen the Flyers linked. But another thing with Ekholm, he is a multi-year contract, and we have the Seattle expansion draft coming up. So some teams are just going to not be able to take him just – they already have defensemen who have no move clauses or they already have 10 players who they're going to protect. So I think that adds a little bit of another wrinkle into this that we wouldn't have in a normal year. That is very true. And I also wonder if that is going to lead to less teams making trades because they want to keep guys expiring contracts to kind of maybe leave them available and, um, and kind of skirt the system that way. But we'll, the expansion draft, I know we just had one not that long ago, but they're always very exciting. Yes. Um, and excited for that. But and that will impact this trade deadline. There's no doubt about it. And the flat cap will impact this trade deadline. I think all of it combined is going to lead up to a really interesting uh, three weeks here. The thing with the Predators, though, they have three of their best players on injured reserve right now. Roman Matthew Shane and Ryan Ellis. They're able to get those guys back. I mean, that's a team they could put it together. I, I I still believe that UC Soros is a really solid goaltender that could win them some games. Those guys added into this fold can l- make them sneak into a four seed. Is that is that more valuable to you than you would get probably four first round picks total if you traded both of those guys, three or four? I don't know. It, it, this is a really interesting study to me because I think it's for Buffalo, it's so obvious. Sell, 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 get as many first-round draft picks as humanly possible. For this team, I think it's 
far more interesting because I think you can look at it both ways. Yeah, I think Nashville is the perfect, you know, do you hold on, try and go for another run, or do you, yeah, you sell guys. I mean, they lost in the first round two years ago. They lost in the play-in round last year. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. They're going to need a team like Chicago or Columbus to fall out. And is it worth it going in to try and make that four seed just to lose in the first round? Or do you want to, you know, maybe get some pieces for the future? Right, and you would lose in the first round, right? You're either playing Tampa or Carolina. Or, or Florida. Excuse me, my goodness, maybe Florida. But, you know, you're, you're going to lose in the first round. And I don't know. I, I think that this is very interesting because I also think that Columbus is, is about, it's like their toes are over the edge of the cliff about ready to blow this thing up because Tortorella is in last year, his contract. So is Felino. They just traded Luke Dubois, uh, Pierre Luke Dubois. Um, that, that is, that's a really interesting team to me as well. If they're going to try to ship some guys out and, and start from the bottom with a new coach next year. Um, and, and Chicago has been really surprising that they're not going to trade anybody. Cause they've been very surprising when they, when they sent out the, basically the same rain, the same letter that the Rangers sent out, which is basically like stick with us for a couple of years. We're going to rebuild Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze were like, no, no, you're not going to rebuild. We're still here. We're still getting paid. And like, we're going to go try to win a Stanley cup. And they've been surprisingly good this year. So maybe that's why Nashville is going to, show, I don't know. I still don't really see it. I still see a team that has been riddled by injuries this year has a new coach in a pandemic season and once they get everybody back can, can put together something here and make the playoffs that that's just how i see it but we'll uh we'll move on to buffalo because even though we've beaten this horse to death we still have to talk about them because they have taylor hall and jack eichel on their team they've won six games out of their 30 um I'm just gonna let that one sit there for a second they've won six games out of their 30 they have 16 points their points percentage is 26.7 and their goal differential is minus 42. They're the worst team maybe we've ever seen um, in recent NHL. Uh, those pre-Tavares Islanders were pretty bad, but they were not that bad. Um, and there have been some bad Buffalo teams and there have been bad, you know, Arizona and Edmonton teams, but this is, this is terrific. And now that Jack Eichel is injured, he's basically untradeable, um, which honestly sucks for Buffalo. Cause like, I know they probably don't want to trade their captain, but the package you would get back, whether it's the Rangers or the Kings, is gigantic. I mean, you would get Mika Zibanejad, two first-round picks, and Capo Caco from the Rangers. You would definitely get Mika Zibanejad. You would definitely get multiple first-round picks. You'd probably get another player because of the, the cap hit that it would levy on to the Rangers. I... I hope – I don't want them to trade Jack Eichel, but I almost hope that they – because then it will just be like they they have so many pieces to start again, where right now they just don't. And Taylor Hall isn't going to get you multiple first-round picks. I'm sorry, Buffalo. He's not. This is a guy who who has barely produced all year long, has bounced around like a, like a tennis ball for the last how many years now. I, I don't think he's going to get you two first-round picks, and Jack Eichel is – and they're not trading Rasmus Dallin. So, I don't know. Buffalo is such an obvious sell that I just hope they're able to do it. Yeah, I think pretty much the only people on that team who are untouchable are Dallin and maybe that kid Cousins. He's had a pretty decent year. He has had a very good year. I've seen thrown around is Sam Reinhardt. He's an RFA this year. 11 goals, 9 assists, 20 points in 28 games on, you've said it, an absolutely brutal team. 
that's pretty impressive. He could jump in someone's top line, top power play unit. So, yeah, I mean, I think with Buffalo, it's just they're not good. They don't play well. They don't play hard. I was watching the Rangers game last night, and they just just not a good team. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, as much as it would suck to see Jack Eichel be traded from that team, it would be a sad thing for that team in that city. I think we're reaching that point where it just might be inevitable this summer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not a Sabres fan, obviously. Um, but I do, I do root for them, of course. And, and when the Islanders were threatening to move to Kansas city, I was fully prepared to, to get a Ryan Miller Jersey and a can of yellow paint and repaint my room and, and let's go Sabres. And how I want to live just for a day in the alternate universe where they won the 2015 draft lottery and Connor McDavid is on the Sabres. I just want to live in that universe for one day. And I think that it's a really interest. It would be such an interesting thought. Would how much better would the Sabres be right now if that was Connor McDavid instead of Jack Eichel? To like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, you got to think they'd be better than worst team in the league. But yeah, Connor McDavid reach that, take that team to the playoffs. I'm not sure if he does. Uh, that's the thing. I don't know. Like. I'm not, I, let's just make this clear. I, and I'll speak for Tyler. We are not doubting the ability of Connor McDavid. This guy's the best hockey player in the world, but he has another phenomenal offensive player in Leon Dreisaitl. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a very good player. They've built something in Edmonton. This is a dumpster fire. I mean, this is a, a full blown dumpster fire in Buffalo. I would love to live in the simulation in which Connor McDavid was a Buffalo Sabre. Because I, I don't know if he's bringing Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson, and Kyle Oposa to the playoffs. Currently, I mean, Edmonton, they have a couple of good players, but their their bottom six is not very good. And we've we talked about this at length, that Edmonton is kind of like is wasting Connor McDavid, even though they were a playoff team last year before the, the pause and they did not do well in the restart. And now they're going to be a playoff team again, probably the third spot, maybe the fourth in, in the Canadian division. And we're still saying they're wasting the best player in the world because at this point in Sidney Crosby's career, he had already won a Stanley cup. He had Evgeny Malkin. He had Marc-Andre Fleury and they were a perennial number one seed in the Eastern conference. They had won the Eastern conference twice, won the Stanley cup in 2009. Conrad David hasn't even gotten to the Western conference finals. So now if, if it was Buffalo who had won that, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a wild, wild rabbit hole. You can go down yes, of what, what does this team look like? Um, in that situation, but we are 20 days away from the trade deadline. Um, and we'll get much more into it as it gets closer. We'll see if any trades hit in the next seven days and, um, hopefully they do. Cause that, that'll be some good stuff to talk about, um, for the next week. A uh, couple big Islander games, a couple big Ranger games this week as, as the playoff, uh, picture starts to, Come into focus more than halfway through this 56-game season. So lots of exciting stuff going on. Tyler, well done, my man. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back at it next week with another episode of 5 on 3. We'll see you then.